Hello and welcome to Victory Briefings, where we use the Word of God for a victorious life. I'm Dwight Hammond and I'm glad you're listening today. Be blessed by the Holy Spirit as He gives you new revelation knowledge through the Word of God. Today, let's just imagine for a moment what it must have been like to live in an ancient time when legal and political decisions were made on a hill in the middle of a city. There may have been 30 or 40 of these meetings each year, and a herald would go through the city announcing the meeting and to invite the citizens to come to the hill near the Agora, the city's business district. And there were no certain buildings to meet in. It was an outdoor event because there's four to 5,000 people might go up to this level place on the top of the hill to create new laws and statutes. And they may, des- they may designate government officials, argue and rule in judicial matters, This meeting is where they elected chief magistrates to enforce the laws of the land and decide who would be citizens and who might be banished. Each gathering opened with a prayer and in a sacrifice to the gods. The body would then begin to deal with the matters of the law and business. Eloquent speakers would teach law and debate special populist agendas. The meeting ended with a closing prayer and another sacrifice to the gods. It's noteworthy that political parties and factions were strictly forbidden in this respected assembly. It was a body of equal citizens with an equal voice who gathered to assist in the orderly process of society. This governing body would not tolerate disorderly conduct, strife, or bickering of any sort. This is a picture of Athens, Greece, many years before Christ. The place in the center of the city was called the Areopagus, a combination of Greek words for god of war and stone. The equivalent to Ares in Roman mythology is Mars, and by the time Paul and Christianity, this location was under Roman control, so the spot was then known as Mars Hill. The older Greek term, Areopagus, was still in use in Paul's day and referred to the council that met there. And you can see this in Acts chapter 17. The place name changed, but the meetings were still the indisputable ecclesia. Many famous Greek orators and statesmen referred to the ecclesia in their writings. Even Plato referred to these Athenian assemblies in his writings. The ecclesia had various levels of leadership. The council operated when the ecclesia was not in session, and the council would decide what would be on the agenda for the next ecclesia. In many ways, the level of leadership can be found in the New Testament local church. The herald made proclamations and decrees at the ecclesia. He was like a spokesman for a king. He would not alter the message, no matter what the crowd's response was. The herald was a man with a powerful voice who summoned the citizens for assembly, opened and closed each session, 
and he maintained order and oversight and publicized the final decisions of the meetings. The herald also called soldiers to battle in times of war. Now, the Athenian ecclesia was a renowned institution throughout the entire Greek-speaking world. This assembly was one of the key components of the development of democracy, which had an effect on the whole civilized world. The writers of the New Testament were very familiar with this term, and it is clear that they used it to describe God's people. Jesus, in fact, used this Greek word in Matthew sixteen eighteen at the first mention of his church, and then he said, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The term that the Holy Spirit chose to describe the new emerging Christian community was the Greek word ekklesia. This word was compound word of ek and kelio. The word ek conveys the idea of exit or separation, and the word kelio means to beckon, to call, invite, or summon, and these two words are joined together to make the word ekklesia, which describes those who are called and separated to a prestigious assembly. Writers of the New Testament didn't invent a bunch of new words. They used familiar terminology the whole world would understand, and many times this was pagan terminology. It has taken many translations and traditions of man to mess things up. While Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas in Athens, he was invited to speak where Athens held the Ecclesia meetings on Mars Hill. Athenians thought Paul was bringing information about new gods. They called it Jesus and resurrection. So Paul was brought before the Areopagus. The term still meant hill of Ares or the god of war. It's interesting that This was not a judicial trial, but an open city forum in the presence of a group of magistrates elected by the Athenian citizens in their ecclesia. They were pretty strict about their worship. They they didn't want anyone to have personal and private gods unless they were also publicly allowed. And the leadership of Athens wanted to know what Paul was promoting. This was They had so many gods in the city, they even had one for the unknown god in order to not leave anybody out. And so Paul used that to invite them to know Jesus and to know the good news of the gospel. And he explained to them that this was their unknown god. So he was able to speak and lead a few of them to, uh, to Jesus. The earliest examples of the word ecclesia is found in the writings about Athens, where it's used to describe this prestigious assembly of Athenian citizens who regularly met to discuss civil matter. Now, the reason the Holy Spirit chose the word ecclesia to describe God's people becomes more and more evident as we study this subject. The New Testament meaning of ecclesia is clear. It's the local body of individuals who have been called out, called forth, and separated for the purposes of God. The church is God's assembly in every town and city, composed of people who have been called out to make eternal decisions that will affect the very atmosphere of their local region. 
God never intended for the local church to be a quiet, hidden body of believers. Rather, he intended for the church to be his voice and ruling power in each community. The church was to be a special assembly comprised of people who had been called out to make decisions that will impact their local environment for God. Therefore, when the New Testament used the word ecclesia to depict the local church, it was conveying an incredibly important message right from the start. God's plan for each congregation was not to shrink back in fear, but rather to rise to a position of power and influence in the place where God called them to fulfill their specific assignment in in their region. The church was intended to be a brilliant beacon of light in the midst of dark and troubled towns and regions. The believers in the New Testament were suffering terribly as a direct consequence of persecution. The church meetings had to be conducted in secret because swift retribution would be brought upon them if their actions were ever made known. Yet, despite the fact of these believers suffering immensely and forced to meet in secret, Christ still acknowledged them for who they were, his ecclesia, called out from the world and separated to exercise spiritual power over their hopeless surroundings. Regardless of how dark and oppressive the situation seemed and how much the believers struggled, it didn't change Jesus' view of them. They were his precious, anointed, unappointed ecclesia, his governing body in their respective towns, cities, and regions. And this is how Jesus views the local church today. Each body of believers has its own specific assignment, and each believer is assigned a specific ecclesia. All local bodies fit within a larger common purpose, that of furthering the kingdom of God on this earth, and equipping the saints and being an influence of God's truth and righteousness to a lost world. Praise God, it's taken man 200 years that I know of. Ever since this country has been formed, the devil has tried to keep church out of politics, try to make people believe that they should be separated completely from the world, separated completely from politics. And uh, religion and politics shouldn't be talked about in the same uh, context. So we've let the government do all kinds of things to the church and limit the church. That's why we're in such a mess that we're in. God meant for his people to be in charge of different aspects of the community. And now we're being ruled over by different aspects of the community. Now, some will ask, why are you talking about a pagan meeting and all of this and that? Well, let me ask you, why would Jesus name his church after a group of people seeking gods with so much determination in the same meetings that they choose their government and set up their laws and regulations? I think the church missed it years ago. And we should be preaching politics. We should be teaching law and politics in the church instead of separating ourselves from it. And instead of ignoring it and hoping that the bad laws go away, 
We've been away from law and politics in the church for so long that we think it's the right thing to do. Politics and legal uh, matters should have been integrated in the church, or the church people should at least be in those segments of society leading instead of ignoring them until the devil takes over with lawlessness and until Jesus comes back. It's certainly an amazing situation that we're in. Father, I pray that you enlighten your people. Lift the veil so that the Holy Spirit can enter in and explain to them. Show them their authority that you have given them. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us with this revelation today. We thank you that you make it real to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Now let's see what's in the mailbag. Today we have Bill and Mary from Sarasota, Florida, listening. We have June in Alexandria, Indiana. I thank the Lord for all of our listeners today. God bless you. It's nice to know where you're listening from. Drop your comments and questions in the mailbag by clicking the mailbag button on the website, or you can email me, mailbag at victorybriefings.net. I hope you are subscribed and will make it a part of your ministry to share this message with others. God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at victorybriefings.net. Mm-hmm.